Hey, thanks for tuning in to the Bethlehem Church Podcast, where our goal is to offer you compelling biblical content to equip you to live an empowered Christian life. Each week, you'll hear a message from our lead pastor, Matt Robinson, or another member of the Bethlehem team. We also host a conversation every week where we unpack different facets of Sunday's message. We're so excited about this message, and we hope it's a blessing to you. Let's jump in. Take your Bibles and turn to Exodus, Exodus chapter 33, and we're going to bounce around a little bit, and then we're going to land in our text, 2 Corinthians chapter 11. But let's go to Exodus, Exodus chapter 33 and verse 11. Warmed up, didn't it? (laughs) Amen. The title of today's message is Fools, Fools, Fools. Um, We are two more this week and then next week are the last two messages in this sermon series. So pretty stoked about it. It's been good. How many of the Lord has put something on your heart, someone, something to reconcile, someone or something to put in order in your life? That's the goal. Uh, The goal is that the Lord uses this like Paul was trying to get this church kind of his last effort really to rope them in, get them back into the program. Uh, That's how I felt this book could be uh, for our church. Like you personally, but yes, the collective body. You personally uh, reconcile those things in your heart, those things that you struggle with, and guess what? We collectively as a body will be reconciled to the mission of the gospel. Um, You matter, each one of you individually matters. If you think, well, uh, me getting that sin out and taking care of doesn't really matter. It's not really hurting anybody. It's hurting the body. The Bible talks about us as a body, one body. Uh, Well, I'm just the pinky toe. Cut a pinky toe off and see what kind of Monday you have. Come on, try it. Real quick, pull out your pocket knife. Anybody need one? I don't really matter. Come on, who's first? Let's cut a pinky toe off and see what happens. You know what I'm saying? Honestly, you think, I'm just so insignificant in the body. We have a hangnail, and we cannot continue. You know what I'm saying? A hangnail throws us out of the game. A cramp. <laughs> Last week, I just keep talking about it every week. Last week, we were doing jujitsu, and I wasn't with Dana. It was like the one time we switched, and I got a cramp. And I was like, oh, I got a cramp. And the guy just starts laughing. <laughs> I was like, something tells me I'm not taking this as seriously as I should. Anyway, <laughs> a cramp can throw you out of the game. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I mean, you ever wake up in the middle of the night and get a real bad Charlie horse? Man, just start screaming. Man, it's bad. (laughs) All of that to say, you're significant. You are. (laughs) You're loved. Uh, You matter. And, And for us to think that we don't matter is a huge miss. For us to think that our pet sin or our broken relationship that's affecting us isn't affecting the body of Christ Just think about if you were at tip-top shape. Think about if your marriage was everything and more that it should be, how you would be influencing others, how you would be helping others. Well, I'm not affecting anyone. Well, you're not infecting anyone positively either. You know what I'm saying? So anyway, today is going to be about relationships, and the title of the message is Fools, and that will kind of come out uh, in the wash. But we're not just going to focus. Paul primarily is putting the effort, uh, his efforts, into this thing of false teachers. Um, But I think you'll see that when we bridge this thing to a broader spectrum of friendships and relationships, that it'll make more sense. 
uh, for our context. So let's jump right in. Uh, this is a hybrid message on spiritual influences in your life, as well as relationships that may change the narrative that God has for you. Uh, consider this, the Bible says that Amnon had a friend. Uh, in, in a really tragic story where this young man was coerced by his friend to engage and take advantage of another female, Tamar, his half-sister. Uh, you know, just a horrific, horrible story of, of sex abuse in the Bible. And it's like you look at those instances, you look at those times when murder happened or something took place that's so tragic, you know what's at the root of those? A bad friend, a bad relationship, a bad influence. Some of you have been putting off that bad relationship for far too long. Some of you have been nursing that relationship that you know is, and I don't mean this toxic like in the way that we say it in 2021 on Facebook posts. Uh, anyway, it's so toxic. No, I don't mean that. I mean like legitimately you have a bad toxic relationship that is eating you from the inside out. We're going to talk about that today. We're going to talk about relationships. We're going to talk about friendships. Uh, I feel like folks just don't know how to be friends anymore. You know, they don't, they don't know how to be a good friend or put their, their foot, their best foot forward in that relationship where you're actually showing them that you love and that you care. We're going to talk about that today. Uh, so let's go to Exodus chapter 33, verse 11. Exodus chapter 33, verse 11, and it says this. This is from the same text that we preached from uh, a few chapters ago, uh, Moses with the veil. So it says, the Lord would speak with Moses face to face. And here's the next statement that we're going to focus on just for this morning's message. It says, just as a man speaks with his what? Friend. Then Moses would return to the camp. His assistant, the young man Joshua, the son of Nun, would not leave the inside of the tent. What we see here is an example of the fact that the relationship with Yahweh, the relationship with the supreme being of the universe, right, was one of a friend. If you, if you don't get anything I say today, don't miss that. Do you understand that we're not, not, we're not talking about the new covenant exclusively here. We're not just talking about in the New Testament when Jesus came down and fellowshiped. I'm talking about Yahweh. I'm talking about the presence of the supreme God was meeting with Moses just like a what? A friend. We have a friend in God. That's just like mind-blowing, isn't it? When we consider not just where we are now with the Holy Spirit living inside of us, but this was always God's intent. I think about uh, the Garden of Eden, where God what? Walked with Adam in the cool of the day. In the morning, he would come and he would walk with him. Our God wants a relationship with us. Enoch, the Bible says, walked with God and was not. In other words, he had such a close relationship with the Lord that the Lord was like, why don't you just come on up here? That's my boy, that's my friend, Enoch. I like that guy. God has displayed this from the beginning, D, that he wants a friendship with you, a relationship. If we go to 1 Samuel 18, 1 through 3, we're just going to highlight a few of these walking through Scripture before we get to our text. David and Jonathan. Does anybody know of that friendship in Scripture? David and Jonathan. Anybody heard those names in the Bible? 1 Samuel uh, chapter 18, verses 1 through 3, the Bible says, When David had finished speaking with Saul, Jonathan was bound to David in close friendship. 
and loved him as much as he loved himself. Wow. (laughs) We need some of that today, don't we? Saul kept David with him from that day on and did not let him return to his father's house. Jonathan made a covenant, verse 3, with David because he loved him as much as himself. This was a complicated friendship. If you consider the the children of Israel, they wanted a king, the Bible says, like all the other nations. And and even, even Saul himself knew that he was not supposed to be a king. The kings were supposed to come from the tribe of Judah. Jesus was the lion of the tribe of what? Of Judah. He was the king. He was the Messiah, the promised king. And Saul, the Bible says that he was head and shoulders above everybody else. So what did he have going for him? His physique what he looked like, his leadership capability, which ended up being not so good. But he looked like the guy who should be king, and so Israel was like, he will be our king. And he's like, I'm a Benjamite. I'm from the tribe of Benjamin. I'm not supposed to be a king. They're supposed to come from the tribe of Judah. That's not my position. That's not my place. Well, you know, the story goes as such, the Reader's Digest version, he does a really bad job because he's not supposed to be the king. And it turns out that, I mean, think about the king and their successor. Is usually they're who? Their son, their kids. And Jonathan was Saul's son. But Jonathan knew that he was not to be the next king. Jonathan knew that David was to be the next king. Why? Because he was anointed king by God from the prophet. And he was of the tribe of what? Go figure. King David, if they would have just waited one more generation, they would have had the right king. Think about that. Some of y'all are about to jump the gun on something that if you just would just be a little bit more patient, the Lord's going to give you what you need. That's not the message. But the point is, is even, I don't know why people call me when I'm preaching. Anyway, it's okay. Uh, But the, the, the point is, is this, Jonathan identified David as his friend, and no matter what, even when his father tried to kill him, he stayed close by his side. Even when his father tried to end his life knowing that he would take over the kingdom in his insecurity, in his mental health crisis, all of those things, Jonathan never left David's side. That is a real picture of what friendship looks like. But look at the, what's the line that's drawn? He loved him just as much as he loved who? Himself. The book of Proverbs chapter 17 verse 17 says this, A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for a difficult time. This isn't fair weather friendship, right? This isn't uh, when everything's going good. It's actually quite the opposite. Friendship is for when things are really bad, when things aren't going well. Do you have that kind of friend? Yes. Do you have that kind of person? I'm so glad. That's awesome. I'm like, honestly, though, think about it. Like, a lot of people don't have that. You do put a premium on your friendships and those relationships and, and, and pouring time in and making those phone calls. But do we put a value on that today? <laughs> do we settle today for the dopamine hit of, oh my goodness, they liked my photo. They, they hearted it. They hearted my photo. They must be my what? My friend. Yes. We, we are just... So we're, we're cheap. That's what we are. We have no idea what true value really is anymore. We value, I got 35 likes on that photo. That's valuable. I'm going to be an influencer. 
we're wrecking friendship. When was the last time you picked up the phone and called somebody? Like, just talk to them. It, this, this social media thing has just cheapened. We keep up, or we keep what? In touch. We're 100 miles wide and a centimeter deep. That's not friendship. Oh, yeah, it is. It's called a friends list, Pastor Matt. It's not a friends list. It's just not. A brother is born for adversity. A friendship is there in hard times. And of course, of course there are people that are on your, that are on your Facebook feed that are your friends and that you do engage with and it is authentic, of course. I'm just poking fun because I think that young people actually don't know the difference. I think we're actually losing that battle to where we, we have allowed that to become the replacement. And, and listen, you're setting them up for failure because when they get in their hard time, they're not gonna have that person. Friendship. Let's go to John chapter 15. What does Jesus say about it? Thank you for asking. John chapter 15, verse number nine. Verse number nine, and I read, as the Father has loved me. Watch the progression here. This is gonna really fit into what Paul is talking about. But John 15, verse number nine. As the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. It, it's that agape love. It's not a nostalgia or a phileo, Philadelphia, brotherly love, right? It's not a love that comes from proximity or from the fact that we're related. This love, Jesus is saying, I'm receiving this from someone that is not me and I'm channeling it through me. It didn't originate here and the difference with that means that when I have love from God, that love is different. That love, watch this, transfers. That love goes through no matter what. It, it's not reliant on extenuating circumstances or being crafted in such a way that I can make the right decision to love you. It is Jesus saying, I received this from the Father and I'm what? Giving it to you. That's agape. That's a different kind of love, isn't it? That's not a cheap love. Let's continue to read and unpack this love. He says, I have also loved you. Don't miss this statement. Remain. Remain. Say that word to your neighbor. Say remain. 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 Some of y'all were thinking about leaving each other. Remain, right? There it is. Remain in my love. Tell your wife, say remain in my love. That was good. Man, man, we're, we're fixing relationships right now. Remain in my love, sweetheart. That was the, the most sweet talking you've had in months. How about that? Remain in my love. <laughs> I'm helping in every way I can. Look at verse number 10. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. Oh, and every wife said, yeah. <laughs> if you wash those dishes, if you do what I said, you will remain in my love. Man, why does Jesus got to go there? If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. Just as I, watch this, and, and here's where I really get irritated with this like YouTube theology piece. People that like talk, <laughs> let me get on my soapbox for a minute, y'all okay with that? People that talk about God like they understand God because they've read three verses out of context and they say, oh God is so mean. How do you serve a God that does this, that, and the other? And they, like, they have their verses memorized but they don't read the Bible. You understand what I'm saying? And typically they're atheists. 
that's okay, I love you, and I hope that you'll come to a saving knowledge of Jesus. But you're not fully processing what that means. When God says, do what I'm telling you to do, he's not the ivory tower orchestrating, you know, the, the puppeteer. That's not the relationship. You have to see the whole counsel of God. And when we get to the end of this passage of scripture, this puts God in plain sight, in plain view. People stop right there and they say, oh, see, God just wants you to do what he says. Keep his commandments. That's what God wants. Just keep his commandments and then he'll return with love. Is that how Jesus started it off? He says, no, he loves me and I'm loving what? That's the process that's happening and how this works is you keep his commandments. Well, where does that tie in? Thank you for asking. Just as I have kept my father's commands and remain in his love, which was the command in, in, in verse number nine. Verse 11, watch it. I have told you these things so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. This is my command. Love one another as I have what? Loved you. Verse 13. No one has greater love than this to lay down his life for his what? His friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. Now here's where, this, this is where the rubber meets the road. Look at verse 15. I do not call you servants anymore. Huh. So the opposite of saying, you do this, you keep my command. This is what you're supposed to do. He's literally saying, I what? I don't do that anymore. That's what the law did. Remember last week's message. The law tells you that you cannot, and, and this is the list of things that you need to do. It's not like that anymore. I, this isn't a servant-master relationship. Jesus said, I'm not interested in that. Keep reading. Here it is. Because a servant doesn't know what his master is doing. I have called you friends because I have made known to you everything I have heard from the Father. You did not choose me, but I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce fruit and that your fruit should remain, verse 9, remain in my love so that whatever you ask in the Father, I'm sorry, whatever you ask the Father in what? My name, he will what? give you. This is what I command you, love one another. We cherry pick and murder this passage so bad. It's either all love or it's, I just can't believe God would tell me what to do. You got to take the whole passage and put it together. Here's what Jesus is saying. If this was a servant master relationship, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> Struggling this morning. If this was a servant-master relationship, here's what it would be. This is what you should do. This is how you should live. Jesus said that's not at all what it is. Jesus said, I became the servant. We're able to be friends because I took on that role. I pulled back the curtain. A, a servant and a master situation, the servant doesn't know what the master's plan is. How many of you know what the gospel plan is? We serve a God as a friend because he was the God who was washing his disciples' feet. 
He was serving his disciples. He was explaining and giving to them what the plan was rather than hiding it from them. So many religions today, so many philosophies today are this upper echelon thought process that unveils as you increase in status, as you grow in this religion, as you grow in this whatever relationship it is, more is unveiled to you. And Jesus said, I've come for the least of these. It's the exact opposite, the exact opposite. He says, I I don't want you to earn my favor. You've already got it. I've already given you the farm. This has already cost me everything. It's from the position of victory that we were singing about this morning. When we get this perspective of who God is and the type of relationship that he wants with us, it empowers us. It gives us context. He's not telling you and pointing the way. He's not pointing saying, this is what you should do. This is how you should obey me. I'm God, listen to me. He's not pointing it. He paved it. He did it. And then he pulled back the curtain and he says, this is what it is. It was your sin that put me here. And I made the decision to humble myself as a servant so we could be what? Friends. Man. If you're stuck in a relationship where you think you have to do this list of things that God wants you to have, it's so legalistic and it's gonna kill your relationship with the Lord. You will produce so much more. You will keep his commands so much more when you understand that you don't have to keep his commands. You say, that makes absolutely no no sense whatsoever. Sure it does. And this is why many marriages fail today. Yeah, this is, this is why a lot of relationships don't work. Because you have a list of things for your spouse to do. And I just tell, every time I come home, it's never done. That's how my wife treats me at the door every day. No, I'm kidding. I can only say it because she's at home watching right now. Our baby's sick. <laughs> so many things to say right now. We'll let that go. But anyway... The point is, is like, when marital trouble happens, that's a relationship, right? And a lot of couples, they start off where they were friends, but then what happens? They get married and they can't stand each other. (laughs) Come on, am I telling the truth? You know I'm telling the truth. Y'all have been, you know, gritting it for 35 years. We're married 35 years. Like that's some accomplishment. Oh, yeah, and all your grandchildren are so happy for you. (laughs) We know you've been putting liquor in your Sprite for years to make it through, okay? Oh, God. (laughs) 35 years. (laughs) You ain't fooling nobody. What I'm talking about is friendship. How does friendship work? Here's how it works. I give you a list of things to do, to do for me. You do them, I'm happy, that's how friendship works. No, knuckleheads. You ask them what would make them happy and you go do all those things. And then they go, they fulfilled all of my needs because they love me. Guess what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna go over here and fulfill all their needs. 
But instead, we go, here's the list, do it. Nobody does anything except get mad at each other. But when you say, I'm going to serve you because we're friends and we know each other and we are known by each other and I come over here and I do what you love for me to do and I meet your needs, something magical happens. It's a relationship and it reciprocates because we're made in the image of God. God didn't look at you and say, here's a list, 10 commandments, and if you don't do it, you're going to hell. He knew you couldn't do it. So he stepped out of heaven, put on human skin, and went to work. And he did everything that you could not do so that you could be reconciled to him. And now that we see what he did for us, the gospel, the good news, we can now what? Reciprocate. We go, you did, you did all that for me. You love me, even though I did. Da, da, da. This isn't a master servant thing. I'm your friend. If it were master servant, I would know God's stuff that you don't know down here in Peon Peasant Land. God says there is nothing down here in Peon Peasant Land that God hasn't already told you. It's called the Bible. I've revealed myself to you. You've got the good book, and the good book tells you all the good things that the good God did for you who isn't good. And now you can have a good relationship. Man, we put the cart before the horse, don't we? That's what friendship is. If some of y'all would, would take that, it would change your whole marriage. It would change all your relationships around. Why does no one want to be my friend? <laughs> I'm going to tell you. You ain't going to like it. It's all about you, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Friendship can't be that way. Okay, uh, man, we're doing real good on time. Jesus said, looking at this text in John 15, Jesus said, remain persistent. Remain in my love. What does that mean, remain in my love? It means to persist in my love. What does that look like? It means doing it together. When we're, when we're parsing this out and understanding what a relationship, a friendship looks like with God, it means that we are doing it together. He was obeying his father's commands and stated that if his disciples works those commands that he's doing, they would remain in love. Now, let's go to our text. We've laid a ton of groundwork. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 1 through 15. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 1 through 15, and I'm just going to hasten through this. You listen fast, I'll talk fast. It says this, Paul, remember this is to this church, 2 Corinthians, his really last ditch effort really to reconcile this church into the plan that the Lord has for them, and he says this, I wish that you would put up with a little foolishness from me. Yes, do put up with me, for I am jealous for you with a godly jealousy. Because I have promised you in marriage to one husband. Now, what, what's he, he's using imagery here. To present a pure virgin to who? Christ. And this is the language of the bride of Christ. Paul is telling this church, I'm, I've laid groundwork to reconcile you, church, to be the bride of Christ. To be a part of this plan that, that God has called the gospel. Verse 2. I'm jealous. I'm sorry, verse 3. But I fear that... As the serpent deceived Eve by his cunning, your minds may be seduced from a sincere and pure devotion to Christ. For if a person comes and preaches another Jesus, God forbid, 
whom we did not preach, or you receive a different spirit which you have not received, or a different gospel which you have not accepted, you put up with it splendidly. I love his, his candor here. Verse five, now I consider myself in no way inferior. I love this, this is funny. Paul cracks me up. In no way inferior to those super apostles. <laughs> What's happening here in this church? There are guys that have slid into their DMs, you know what I'm saying? And they're like, let me tell you what Paul really means. Let me tell you what Jesus really is about. Let me tell you how to live a pure and upright way. And they're hypocrites. They were Judaizers. They were pushing the law on these Gentiles. And Paul is like, they're claiming to have some like corner marketing edge on who and what Jesus meant. But let me explain something to you. They don't have your best interest at heart. They're not preaching a pure gospel. They're preaching a false gospel to you. <laughs> Super apostles. That's funny. Verse number six. Even if I'm untrained in public speaking, they actually were, they were saying, Paul doesn't even know how to preach. <laughs> even if I'm untrained, he's like, look, I am certainly not untrained in knowledge. Indeed, we have in every way that made that clear to you in everything. Or did I commit a sin by humbling myself so that you might be exalted because I preached the gospel to you free of charge? Remember that from 1 Corinthians? Paul didn't take any money from them. He was supported by other churches. And, and these super apostles were now using that what? Against him. Watch it. Keep going. I robbed other churches by taking pay from them to minister to you. <laughs> when I was present with you and in need, I did not burden anyone. Since the brothers who came from Macedonia supplied my needs. I've kept myself, I will keep myself from burdening you in any way. As the truth of Christ is in me, this boasting of mine will not be stopped in the regions of Achaia. Why? Because I don't love you? God knows I do. But I will continue to do what I'm doing. In order to deny an opportunity to those who want to be regarded as our equals in what they boast about, for such people are what? False apostles deceitful workers, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. So it is no great surprise if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of, of righteousness. Their end will be according to their works. So what does Paul do? Paul's like, basically those dudes that are super apostles, they're Satan's messengers. Do you see how he, how he like did that? He's pretty, he's pretty slick. So what's happening? This church is opening themselves up to every manner of doctrine, to other, watch this, we're, and this is where I've made this kind of a hybrid message to talk about our relationships. They've opened themselves up to relationships that are not Christ-honoring. They've given, they've given ear, if you will, to another gospel. And today, I, I kept thinking about this. This has made that easier than ever. All you gotta do is go on YouTube and there's tons of other gospels. And unfortunately, people who have not, you, you know, you may know the, the high points, you may know a few verses out of context or something like that, but the average Christian has proven themselves to be scripturally illiterate, not reading their Bible, not praying, not being, in, in, not being steadfast in the word of God. And so if you're not careful, you can give ear to the other side of the fence, and then he sidetracks you. What I wanna do is not necessarily point out specific doctrines today. 
what I want to do is just show you, by, by way of Paul's admonition here, that it does matter. It absolutely matters if you have the right relationships. It absolutely matters. Here's a few things that I see that we can glean from this passage of scripture, and then we'll go eat lunch. Sound good? Number one, influence and relationships. He was specifically talking about false apostles, but can you see that these people have opened themselves up to these relationships in the church? They're talking bad about Paul. They're trashing him, talking about his preaching, talking about you know, his theology, and Paul's like, they don't want to go there. And they, he knew if Paul was there, he'd have chased him out of there. But, but here's the point. It mattered, and that's why Paul made a big deal about it. And here's what I want you to do this morning. I want you to think about your friendships and your relationships. The people who are influencing you, the people who you've given ear to, who are they? You know who they are. Who do, who do you regularly have lunch and dinner with or whatever? Who do you have lunch and dinner with regularly on the phone where they're the people that you watch? They're the people that are curbing your theology, those that, are, that you're listening to. It's never been easier, right? If you get your, your theology from, from TikTok, everybody keeps trying to tell me to get into TikTok. I scroll like three times and I'm like, I am done with this. Put that thing in the trash. Whew. What is going on with that? Uh-uh. Man, that's a relationship buster right there if there's ever one. I've seen. Son. But it's like, oh no. And this is how this generation thinks, I guess. I don't know. I'm trying to figure it out. But there's like so many really good things to learn on TikTok, Pastor Matt. Literally someone said this to me like I think last week or the week before. There's so many good things to learn on there. And I'm like, how long are, does anybody know how long the videos are? Wow, you can learn so much on TikTok for up to three minutes. <laughs> if you say it all in three minutes or 60 seconds, guess what? Uh-uh, you're not teaching me nothing. This is gonna be like at least an hour conversation. But, but see, this is the generation that we live in. This is the greatest video of all time. It was 60 seconds and it changed your life? Yeah, <laughs> Am I the only one that thinks this is crazy? I think I'm by myself up here today. I'm just gonna go ahead and get a drink then, fine. Do you hear what I'm saying? It, does it sound as crazy to you as it does to me? Thir three minutes, Grace, and they've got it all. I, TikTok's amazing. I'm not, nothing on TikTok. I'm just saying the fact that we think we can establish this like mental gymnastic that we have it figured out in three minutes the heck's wrong with us read a book how about a book that's a great place to start a book with pages paper yeah come on that's what I'm, now we can have a conversation about it but it's like watch what does this have anything to do with relating to this pastor it has everything to do with relationships you make a friend in three minutes Everything in our life right now is done instantaneously. You give the farm away in three minutes. You're ready to buy a car in three minutes. What the heck? Do, do you get where I'm going with this? If we want meaningful relationships, they're going to take time and they're going to take work. 
It's going to take effort. It's going to take energy. It's going to take dialogue, like real conversation. Yeah. Okay. All right. I'm not getting anywhere with this. Number one, I'm just teasing. Here's the first thing. These are all this is, you can go back, take a screenshot of the program, and talk about it throughout the week. I wanted to write, and the grammar's a little off. I saw it this morning, sorry. I probably wrote these at like 11 at night on Wednesday or something. But the point is this. I, I just, I hope to give you some talking points today. If I can help one of you just consider your relationships, then today was a win. Number one, what impact would that relationship have on the church body? One thing to first consider when it comes to your relationships what impact would that relationship have on the church body? Well, what's that got anything to do with my friendship? It's got everything to do with it. The fact that you would divorce the church body from your relationships shows you're not ready for true friendship. That was a stinger, sorry. <laughs> Come here, let me put a little balm on that. Until we start seeing that what really matters on this side of glory is the body of Christ, then we're missing it. What do I mean? I mean this isn't something cheap. Jesus made you a friend. Jesus, friend of sinners. He gave his entire life so that you could have a friendship and a relationship with him. And when we enter into a relationship with him, Paul is like, guys, hey guys in Corinth, guys and gals, uh, I'm trying to get a body of believers to give to the bride of Christ. I'm trying to have a church that is holy, that has good, wholesome relationships and doctrines that will be ready when Jesus comes. Amen. And, and unfortunately, when Jesus comes, many will not be ready. Why? Because they're not focusing on building and crafting their relationships around the body of Christ. Well, are you saying, Pastor, that I can't have friends outside of church? No, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, how will that relationship affect the body? So what does that mean? It means that if they are affecting you and you aren't affecting them for the sake of the body, then you got it what? Backwards. But unfortunately, most Christians, according to Pew Research, are living duplicit lives. I got my church friends and then I got my what? My friends outside of church. I got my worldly peeps and my Christian peeps. That's how I roll. And I'm good, boy. You don't even know. You find me in the club, find me in worship, don't even know. I wear the same outfit, don't even know. You think I'm playing? I'm not playing. Don't. That's a good one. I'm going to keep that voice. Don't even know. I'm going to bring that one out instead of Trump. My goodness. Don't even know. How is that relationship affecting the body? Don't miss this. Your relationships affect the church. Why? Because if that relationship is affecting you, and then you come in here, and then you don't text a brother or sister that you should have texted. You know there are people in here that are struggling. Can I help, can I help with that? There are people in here that are struggling that need you, but you won't be there because you're there. How is that relationship affecting the body? Number two, what impact would that relationship have on your strongest spiritual partnership? In your mind, if you think this is my strongest spiritual partnership, how would they feel about that relationship? 
some of you all have some unhealthy relationships in your life that you need to do away with, and that's the bottom line. You know you've been nursing them. You've been keeping them right there. God forbid it's something on the side. You know what I'm saying? And that's what you're playing with what? Absolutely. It's not good. What would your strongest spiritual partner think about that relationship? And here's the other thing that you have to think about. If you don't have a strong spiritual partner, you should probably get one. You should get one. Because if you don't have that in building your relationships, then you have no litmus test. You, you have no baseline. It's just, this is who I am over here, and this is who I am over here. There's no accountability in our relationships. If my strongest spiritual partner would put me to the task and say, that's not healthy, then I would have something, right, of substance to help change my trajectory in my friendships and in my relationships. And that's another thing. Are we challenging each other? A friend is born, a brother is born for adversity. That's what we're looking for. Not someone who tells you what you want to hear. How do I look in this dress? You look great. That's a really silly illustration. But you get the point, right? You need someone that says, honey, give it six months. <laughs> give it six months. A friend will say things. The Bible says the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. But the wounds of a friend, watch this, are faithful. Some of y'all haven't been wounded in a long time. You're scared to be wounded, so therefore you run from the very relationships that you need, sweetheart. You need those relationships that look at you and say you are wrong. Yes, it's a wound, but it's faithful. And it will produce Something of substance. Unfriend. Unfollow. Say it again. Look, when was the last time someone disagreed with us that we said, man, you're right. Where we didn't let our pride get the best of us, but we humbled ourselves and engaged in that relationship the way it's meant to be. Wow, okay, all right, moving on. Number three. <laughs> What impact has that relationship had? This is so, I, honestly, this one hit me square in the numbers. Boom. What, what impact has that relationship had on your gratitude? I don't know of a better, like, a, a better sign that it's a good or bad relationship. When you are with that person, do you come out of your time with them thanking the Lord for what you have or thinking about all the things that you don't have? When you come out of that time with that special someone, are you ungrateful for the world? Are you mad at everything that's happening around you? Or are you grateful for what the Lord is doing in your life? Our gratitude, we, we definitely underappreciate what that does in our lives. How has that relationship been for your gratitude meter? Come on, you know what I'm saying is true. And the, the bad thing is, is if it's your spouse and the negative Nancy, if your name's Nancy, I'm sorry. But if the negative Nancy is the spouse, some of you need to change that. And you need to see and have an honest conversation that, look, 
Every time we talk, it's, it's negative. It's down. It's not up. Like, we need to change something here. Have those conversations. Has that relationship, has that relationship help you, helped you to be more grateful? Let's be really honest and transparent about that. Our gratitude is super important. When we get a, watch, when we remain, when we remain in what Jesus has done for us, how can we not be grateful? How can we not be grateful for what the Lord has done for us? Really easy, have a bad relationship. Have a bad friend. Have someone who just constantly brings you down. Number four and final, what impact has that relationship had on your gospel witness? When was the last time you told somebody about Jesus? When was the last time you went like, oh, I'm a friend of Jesus? He pulled back the curtain. Jesus loves me. When was the last time you came to grips with the fact that our sorry carcasses would be in a devil's hell if it wasn't for him? And he left heaven for us, but we can't leave our petty sin. We can't leave our petty relationships to go tell people how good Jesus is. He left everything. And we can't even do something that isn't really that hard. When was the last time you shared Jesus? How, how are your relationships affecting your gospel witness? Maybe you need to change your friends. Wouldn't it be something if we were each other's friends in this room? Wouldn't it be something if we encouraged each other and we loved on each other and we had dinner with one another and everything was just like literally this, this thing, this machine of friendship that, that had Jesus as the baseline where we all were just super grateful about what the Lord's doing in our lives. And then we told people about it. That sounds like the Great Commission, doesn't it? It kind of sounds like the Lord's plan. That can't happen if you're on some lonely island by yourself. Well, I just, relationships are hard work. I know. For some, look, it, it, not everybody's personality is the same. Some, some of y'all, it takes like a day to recover from being with people for a day. Do you know what I'm saying? I know that exists. I know sometimes for some of you, it's like hard work doing relationships. And then you gotta like recharge. Look, just let me encourage you today. It's worth it. It's worth it. You're going to be able to reach somebody. You're going to be able to tell somebody about Jesus. Do the hard work of friendship and relationships. If I can encourage some of you to do it, and some of you to not do some of the things that you've been doing, then today will have been a success. Look at the last verse here in, in verse number 16. Paul says this. I repeat. <laughs> I love Paul. Let no one consider me a fool, but if you do, at least accept me as a fool so that I can also boast a little. Touche. <laughs> He is the man. Look, look, here's what he's saying. If you're going to call me a fool and the super apostles right, at least let me give my resume. <laughs> he's funny. At least give the Lord a chance in your relationships. At least try it Jesus' way. Because insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over again and expecting a different result. 
Thanks for tuning in for this message on the Bethlehem Church Podcast. We hope it was a blessing to you. If you want to know more about us, feel free to check out our website at BethlehemChurch.cc. And also in every message that we publish, you'll find our sermon notes in the description. And we hope that you'll study these topics further. We'll see you next time.